Knock High. Hello and welcome to Knock Knock High with the Glockenfleckens. We're the Glockenfleckens. I'm Dr. Glockenflecken. I'm Lady Glockenflecken. You didn't let me say my my real name. How people are going to need my real name. Mm. Although they're probably my... Honestly, Dr. Glockenflecken is is more famous than my actual name. It's true. No Will one knows Flannery. your real name. No one, in fact, no one cares. when they find out your real name, no they're one. like, "Oh, I'm kind of disappointed." Like that's, that's true. a stupid name. They, <laughs> I don't think sometimes people don't like to hear it. It's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Telling when they think that Will Flannery is a more stupid name than Dr. Glockenflecken. I, I think it's it's not it's a it's a little bit of a. It's just very Irish. It's that's very that's Irish. all it is. Hey, but you you took it. So well, true. Kristen Flannery, it's you're true. a Flannery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, you can just forget about our real names and just just you know, know us. Know us as the and Irish by marriage, and apparently that's the point. Our show today is is very exciting for us because yes. we're talking to one of our favorite people. Love him. Yeah, Doctor Ben Abella. He's an emergency physician at the University of Pennsylvania. And the reason that we know him and are so familiar with him is because of my crazy medical history, uh, which I've talked about here and there on different social media platforms, certainly on TikTok and Twitter. Um, and uh, I, I, as many of you probably already know, I had a cardiac arrest uh, in my sleep back in May of 2020. Um, it was, uh, we still don't know why it happened. That's somewhat of a mystery. Uh, but Kristen here woke up and started CPR on me. Yeah, saved my life, which is why anytime she gives me, um, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I have carte blanche to yeah, just she, say whatever what I, I want. Yeah, exactly. Whatever she wants to say uh, to me, I just kind of it's to revenge for it. for dying on me. Yeah, and here's the thing, you guys. Like when when your wife saves your life, you just don't want any arguments anymore. That's that's it. So it's uh. Yeah, it's just part of our new dynamic here, which is which is totally fine because after all, BC alternative. I'm still here, right? So, uh, but in recovering from the cardiac arrest and and um, you know together going through all that, uh, Kristen connected with Benabella, who is a big name in cardiac arrest research. Yes, he's done a ton of work in just cpr advocacy and awareness and uh, aed awareness and uh and that's something that we're very interested in so we'll talk a lot about that during the episode yes Um, he also i think has never met a person that he did not offer to help in some way like he's a very generous person just a kind of a natural mentor um and also i think he knows everyone on earth he might. And uh, he's also an emergency physician. And so those are also fun people to hang around. If you've never hung out with an emergency doctor uh, or you're maybe, you know, one and you're you're going to go out there and try to become friends with them or um, date them or something, uh, you want to show up with some Diet Coke. Can yes. I ju- just they one thing that you should know about emergency doctors is um, the caffeine must be flowing freely and um, constantly. Uh, they live for adrenaline. They um, uh, they love the fast pace of an emergency uh, experience, emergency departments. And so um, that's how you can get in good. Also, just offer to go biking with them. That's mm-hmm. another um, totally true or skydiving, totally true uh, stereotype that I play up very much in my content is the whole biking and wearing a helmet and all that stuff. 
And so um, that's kind of what they're like, but they're also wonderful people and they do incredible work. And so we're excited uh, to um, talk to Ben and hear some of his stories. Pretty and, crazy ones. Yeah. And just his thoughts on cardiac arrest and just what he does. And so it's, it's a great, great conversation. We're excited about it. Um, so should we, should I stop rambling? Yes, please. Is Let's it, get to it. I could tell whenever, whenever you start looking at me, like, okay, <laughs> you've been like, do you, you're obviously not thinking ahead of what you're saying. You're just saying the first words uh -huh, that come like out you're of your doing mouth. right now. I'm still doing it. All right, let's get going. Here is Dr. Ben Abella. All right. We have Dr. Ben Abella. Ben, it's good to talk with you always. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you look, so you're wearing scrubs right now. And yes. so I assumed you were either, you were either coming from work about to leave for work, or you're just pretending to work. What's, <laughs> Honest, what's the situation here? I, I am just pretending quite honestly. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting that you've caught me on that. So I call <laughs> this, it, it, I think in the acting world, this is called playing to type in the COVID era, things all went to heck as we all know. And I just sort of like, honestly, gave up on clothing and realized that I could wear scrubs almost every day. And everyone would assume that I'm just a hardworking ER doctor going to or from a shift. And I, I just would smile generally and not like dissuade them of that thought. I wouldn't lie and say I did. I would just be like, yeah, yeah. you know, just working, you know. I just assumed I every emergency doctor always wears scrubs. There are some that don't. Yeah, like you sleep in them, <laughs> you shower in them. Yeah. Well, it's either that or the fleece and the cargo pants, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. no, you never wear a tie, right? You never wear a, no, 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 God, no. That, that would God, actually no. throw me off. I'd, I'd be a little concerned, like with the, the <laughs> hospital administrator, uh, are they hiring those to see patients in the emergency yeah, room? I something, don't know. Something would be amiss. There would be a, there would be a disturbance in the force and that's, but sort I, of I knew, I knew you weren't like actually working when I first, when you first came on here, just because I didn't see any diet Coke, no form of caffeine, nothing around you. So clearly no trauma you're not shears. No trauma shears, <laughs> no diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm missing some of my key tools for sure. Now, I felt a little bit bad because uh, we were emailing each other before um, we started recording here uh, last couple of days. And, um, you know, I always think of you in terms of, of cardiac arrest because that's how we know each other, right? Um, you and Kristen actually started talking to each other um, uh, as, I actually, I don't even know, like, how you guys <laughs> ever actually kind of connected the first time. But that's that's my, that's how I know you, because you are a big name. You do a lot of work uh, surrounding cardiac arrest and survivorship and everything. And so whenever I was emailing you, I I, I uh, called you a cardiologist yeah, that on was, accident. That, that was embarrassing. I felt, I felt really bad uh, because, God, I know no one wants to be called a cardiologist if they don't have to be. Well, the, ther <laughs> the therapy bills have been expensive since our conversation. <laughs> But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly better at this point. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you are not, you are an emergency physician, as you've already mentioned. Yes. Um, and so how, but how did you get, I, I, I haven't heard this from you. How'd you get on that track to like really yeah. being an emergency, but focusing on cardiac arrest? It, it is an interesting story to tell, um, or at least for those in the medical business, because, you know, many of us in medicine set out with a certain goal in mind. Like I'm going to be a 
X. I'm going to be a pediatric neurologist. I'm going to be whatever. And then sort of life happens, you know, because you go to med school, you meet different people. There's sort of this randomness of your rotations and experiences. And it's worth mentioning that I went to medical school at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And at the time, I'm a little bit older, at the time, um, emergency medicine was still young. I mean, technically it is still young, but even at that time at Hopkins, especially, it was honestly a little bit frowned down upon. It was sort of what happened. Yeah. In the the grand traditions of Johns Hopkins, you either did surgery or medicine. I mean, I don't even know what they thought of ophthalmology, but but, yeah, they did surgery (laughs) or medicine. And that was like it. And, and, Wait, and I, that, I can't even hold on. I can't even imagine like a world where emergency medicine, like as a specialty, doesn't exist. Well, like, it that's exists. actually surprising to hear. Like, so it, it, it's a relatively new field. Yes. What, so, what were people doing? Are they? they were, yeah. I mean, it, it, so so emergency medicine residencies and emergency rooms as a as a concept were really, believe it or not, sixties and seventies. Um, in nineteen fifty there was no emergency medicine physician. There was a place where people who were having problems could go and then their doctor or someone would come downstairs and meet them to do an evaluation. And I then see. some, okay. as best I can tell, and I'm not an excellent historian, so so yeah. there might be some pedantic listeners who go, hey, he doesn't have it quite right. But this is like <laughs> mostly right. We'll give you right. a benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is mostly correct is a number of physicians in the 60s said, this isn't this isn't working because it's, it's a whole thing unto itself to have have sort of a, a sense yeah. of a, a, a rapid workup of patients in extremis, of knowing some procedural skills. And, and so emergency medicine is really arguably only around 50 or 60 years old. And so I went to medical school in the 90s. And at Hopkins, not other places necessarily, but at Hopkins, it was frowned down upon. It really was. And people did it, you know, and that was fine. But, but, but I was earmarked as a man of medicine. It was clear that I was meant to do medicine. And 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 my and I was the first doctor in the family. So what the heck did I know? You know, I, I don't know anything. Um, and and I distinctly remember a conversation with a dude. I'm sure he had a bow tie. He must have metaphorically. He was a bow Probably. tie guy. And yeah. I think you know what that means. There's the doctors with the white hair and the oh, bow tie. Yeah. And and he said to me, young man, emergency medicine is a job. Internal medicine is a career. <laughs> Those were his exact words. I mean, do people talk like this? I don't know. But but he and you know, I just sat there going, oh, oh okay, sure. You know, what did I know? Yeah. First talking Actually, to my, family, my, I, my mentor told me like ophthalmology is a job, TikTok is a career. That, that really <laughs> changed my life. It, yeah, sure. it, it really got me on the, this track anyway. Nice, <laughs> very ahead. nice. Well, an excellent career it is it is provided. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so so I did medicine because I was sort of semi-browbeaten, semi-ignorant. I just didn't know what I was doing. And um back then, internal medicine residents did a lot of time in the ER. And and I just loved my months in the ER. It was just super fun. And I did not love clinic. I did not love rounds. And I would have a lot of discussions with my new emergency medicine friends about how I was really, you know, sort of like going back to to wondering if I made a mistake and if emergency medicine was for me. And I distinctly remember one of the moments that just did it for me. It was a night shift. And one of the residents who knew he was going to just like nail me right in the gut said, well, Ben, that's fine. You, you can stay with internal medicine. After all, I think you enjoy calculating FINAs all day long. <laughs> <laughs> 
And phenos, for those who don't know, fractional excretion of sodium, totally boring, like renal math stuff. And I'm I was nodding just like, like I know what you're talking about. But yeah, keep going. Keep going. And and I was just like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm out. This is, you know, I, um, and, and I, now my wife would tell a slightly different version of the story. She would say what really did it for me was I did emergency medicine and internal medicine both. I, I'm boarded in both, which really, whoo, you know, um, mm. at University of Chicago, where I'm from Chicago. And the University of Chicago program had a helicopter program. And the second year residents were flight docs who got to fly in the medical helicopter all the time. I've always been a flight buff. Like I love little airplanes and helicopters. I did hang gliding at one point in my life. And my wife would say, yeah, it wasn't about the medicine. You just wanted to get in that helicopter. (laughs) I mean, it all makes sense. She's not wrong. Hang gliding. Like you're like, you're, you're, the more I hear you talk, the more it just makes perfect sense. Emergency medicine. Yeah. It's just what you were born to be. You got a, you got a little like adrenaline, (laughs) you know, thing going on. So, but then you, but you held on to that, that, you know, feeling like you needed to be a man of medicine. Right. And well, that's so I guess... right. So I wanted to be involved with heart stuff. I still like mm-hmm. the heart. And I fell in with a, with a mentor who was just a cardiac rest researcher. And and actually, the, the moment I knew I wanted to study cardiac rest was actually when I was still a medicine resident. Um, and, and I was at University of Chicago. Medicine residents would take turns being what's called Dr. CART. It stands for Cardiac Rest Response Team. And so one 24-hour period, I was Dr. CART, and we had the record for the most cardiac arrests in a 24-hour period in hospital while I was on, eight cardiac arrests. So we did eight codes in a 24-hour period, and a code sort of an hour, hour and a half from start to finish. So basically, I was coding people all day long. We couldn't finish rounds. We kept interrupting rounds to go code somebody, and the poor attending was like left, like standing around doing nothing. and uh, uh, it was a pivotal moment because it, it got me thinking, my goodness, these codes are crazy. Um, the, the quality of care around codes is a mess. Uh, uh, people's understanding of why people code and how to get them back is a mess. And it needs work. And it just sort of captivated my attention. And it's, it's still somewhat of a mess. Like there's a, you know, the more, the more I've learned about it from you and others um, and, and really in the, in, in the public sphere, Right. Because yeah. part of what I do is kind of, you know, toe this line between like the medical medical people and non-medical people, because I have people that watch my videos on both both sides. And whenever I've talked about my own cardiac arrest, I, I, I still have people like say, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, you had a heart attack. Well, like, I even thought you had a heart attack. Like, I, yeah, the doctors yeah. didn't explain the difference. I didn't know there was a difference. I'm a highly educated person. I'm just not in medicine. I had no idea. They so were even different. going down to that level, right? Of like, oh, what yeah. is a cardiac arrest? Is it, a, a lot of people just don't know. When when I get out there sometimes and talk about CPR, someone will say, "Oh, my brother had a heart attack. He didn't need CPR." So I'm totally confused, and and they sort of just don't even get it. Mm-hmm. And and there are famous media figures that I've worked with. I shouldn't name names, but people you would know who are on TV all the time, where after I met with them to do a piece on cardiac arrest, on air, physicians, media physicians would say, oh yeah, for a heart attack. And I, it would like, you know, make my- you Was know, it Dr. Like, Oz? Was it Dr. Oz? Maybe, okay. We're not, we're not going <laughs> to speculate. No, but no. It was, it was Dr. Oz. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was a certain other famous television doctor who will, will just leave nameless. But sure, um, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, not Dr. Oz. He, he and I are not friends currently. So, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, we shouldn't even go there on this podcast. But um, I, I guess not. Well, you are from Philly. So it's probably been a, uh, you know, a, a topic of discussion. But yeah, we'll move has. on. It um, has. So I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, in thinking about, 
you know, going the internal medicine route versus emergency medicine route. Um, at the very least, emergency medicine probably provides you better um, stories and fun, like interesting things that happen in your day to day life. Uh, I think you're probably the, the the best person to talk to about that. And um, and so I'd love to hear, you know, t- tell us what's what's going on. What, what are the kinds of things that happen to you that you experience in your line of work? Because it's it's very far outside my I try very hard not to go to the emergency department right. as an ophthalmologist. So it's a uh, it's you seem fine to be going there as a patient. Oh yeah, I'll go uh, yeah, absolutely. That's fine. Uh although but that as an you ophthalmologist. Know, I, I probably should have rethought that decision if I was well, thinking well, at the I gotta time. say, I just loved, you know, I was at your ASAP um lecture where, where both of you just did such a masterful job. I mean, you really you really killed it. And uh one of my favorite bits from that was when you said to all the ER docs, all right, you did it. An ophthalmologist is here on a Saturday. Give me your consults. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they'd, they'd love that because everyone really at a deep level understood exactly what you were talking about, you know? Yeah, because you can't get us in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is certainly true that emergency medicine is great for the stories. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the things we see and do are just are just crazy, um, many of which are not G-rated, um, um, you know, some of which yeah. uh, uh, take a strong summer. I imagine. So, so I, I, I've thought about this a little bit, and, and I've got a yeah. couple of stories that are sort of for general consumption that speak to just sort of the, the zaniness of, of some of the things that we do. Um, one of the things that, um, I think both attracts people to emergency medicine and makes it fun is for those of you who are of a certain age listening, you know, the term MacGyvering or being a MacGyver, there's this, uh, a television show where this guy MacGyver would get out of all these scrapes by just really clever use of everyday things. He'd, he'd like hang himself from the thing with a toothpick and use a paper clip and duct tape and, and emergency docs tend to fall off what the textbook would say fairly rapidly because the situation just require creative on on the go thinking. And and so a story from my residency that I think um, typifies some of this, you'll never find this in a textbook, um, is the following. Middle of the night, I'm a resident, a, a junior resident, I think an intern, and the senior resident is sort of laughing as he hands me a chart. Back then it was paper. I'm that old. And he said, hey, see the guy in bed four. This guy's great. And he's sort of cracking up. And I'm like, all right, what's up? Like something's, something's weird here. He said, well, couple of things to know. He's a young guy who's incoherent. He is naked. He was found naked in a park with no identification, no anything. And he speaks a foreign language. Go, enjoy, find out what's wrong. Oh, so I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? So I go to see this guy. And At least police... you know he's not carrying any weapons. Yes. That's good. That's Although good, you don't but... know what language well, it is. Right. So I go right. in the room and this guy is clearly intoxicated. So he's not coherent even in his own language. The police who were there said they found him in the bushes in a park at two in the morning in Chicago, buck naked. No ID, no watch, no wallet, nothing. Buck naked, all scratched up in some bushes. Didn't seem to be particularly injured or anything, but was clearly intoxicated um, and not speaking English. And my attempts Hmm. to speak English to him weren't really doing so well. Um, Now, as luck would have it, you know, you, you pull together everything you got and, and I've traveled a lot. So I have a, I have an ear for languages. And after he was jabbering on for a while, I was like, this guy's speaking Dutch. That is Dutch. I just, it's had that sort of slightly Germanic, slightly guttural yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. He's speaking Dutch. Great, great so impression said, of a Dutch accent. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Definitely we, not we, offensive. We've just offended the entire nation yeah, yeah. of the Netherlands. You're, a, you're a man of culture. All oh, right. yeah. There Keep you go. Right there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so at least I got that far. 
and and okay. I asked him his name, and he was able to tell me that. So I got a name, I'll, you know, whatever. Uh, Hans yeah. Schufen. I just made that up. Whatever, some name. Yeah. And um, uh, so I say, okay, but this doesn't tell me anything else because I don't speak Dutch. We, this was well before there were translator services. So mm. so what am I going to do with this guy? So you know, I had to I had to MacGyver. So I knew that Chicago, being a big city, had consulates. And I figured there must be a Dutch consulate, and I had his name. So I just said, to hell with it, I'm just going to call the consulate. So I called the consulate, and there was a 24-7 consular emergency number. And I woke up some sleepy consular guy <laughs> who's like, yeah, yeah, what, what? I'm like, I got this guy. Here's his name. I, I, I think he's, like, from your country. I, and I don't know what to do with him. He seems medically fine, but, like, help me out here. Uh-huh. Well... The guy said, oh, okay, give me give me some time. He looked into it. He calls me back. And wouldn't you know it, they ran it through the Dutch computers. This guy had run away from home with his parents' money and credit cards, had gotten into a whole, like, drug situation in Chicago. Oh, no. And oh, wow. must have been intoxicated and gotten robbed blind. They took everything, like, literally everything. Including his clothing. And, th- and, oh, threw, included, and threw him in the bushes and left him for whatever, you know? And this is the best part. This every ER doctor, every physician, I think, likes the Staples Easy button. Just something that makes the whole thing like go away or better. Uh-huh. The Dutch that day endeared me. They provided it. They said, "Sir, we shall be coming with a car. We have emergency repatriation tickets. We will clothe him and put him on a KLM aircraft to Amsterdam, where his family will meet him. We got this." I was like, "Oh my oh god, my I goodness. love you, and I will wear wooden clogs for the rest of my life." And, and so, <laughs> so. So Just lo and behold, over two here. and by the way, my senior resident was so impressed. Like this car oh, shows yeah. up, two really serious dudes in suits get out. They're very polite. <laughs> they, they thank us. They like, they speak Dutch to this guy. They it's like international relations yeah. incident at this point. Totally. So yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You like that? So that, that's, that's one of so my, cool. This is like that, a wacky know, story. That, that, re- that actually reminds me, you know, saying how you want like an easy button, right? right. To just, because you you have so many uh, things you're doing at, at, at the same time in emergency medicine. Um, I did, during my intern year, I did two months of emergency medicine at a small community hospital. And um, I don't remember a whole lot from those months, but the one thing that really sticks in my mind is calling poison control. And it was amazing. I was like, okay, well, the patient had this. Uh, what do I do? And like, they just every, outline it. Like you do this, you check this lab at this time, you do this, you do that. It, it was the most incredible thing. And then like, you get to take credit for all of their work. You go in the room and you're like, right, here's you, what you do. Here's what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and they thought you're a genius. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to make a broader, I think, serious point, I think we need more of that in medicine because there's too much to know mm-hmm. for any of us. And point of care, you know, just they call it just-in-time education, just-in-time training. Poison control is like a great example of that. I often wonder if for post-arrest care, we need that because, you know, mm-hmm. when a patient rolls into the ER and it's like, oh, I do this once a month. I, I don't see people who survive cardiac arrest. I, I wish I could get on the phone and walk them through it. And so anyway, I think you, you, you're very right to highlight poison controls, a really good illustration of um, a certain efficiency where, you know, we don't need to know that yeah. stuff. There's one guy who knows everything there and you right. get that guy or gal on the phone and you're good to go. 
Yeah, I'm impressed that you thought to call the consulate. Like that, nowhere yeah. would that have ever entered. That's amazing. My mind. <laughs> well, that, that certainly wouldn't be in a textbook, and 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 that's the thing. Yeah. So many things. That, and actually, the next story too, I think, is a little bit extra textbookian um, um, too. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you one more. This one's a shorter story and involves a medical student who got a big surprise. Um, so. Set the stage. That students love they surprises. Love them. Yeah. Right. They love surprises. <laughs> so, so I have a a, a very young and impressionable um, female medical student with me. She's I think she's not even a third year yet. She might have been a first year shadowing actually. Um, and I go in a room, and it's a busy shift, lot going on. And there's this guy, a construction worker, big burly guy, who is doing some work on something, and he clearly jacked up his finger. Um, it was dislocated. The end of his finger. The end of the finger was just like in the wrong place. It was clearly dislocated. He was tough. He was sort of, you know, um, and I sort of felt it. Nothing was broken, and and it was like he was jammed it against a piece of wood. So it was clearly just dislocated. And the textbook would say that you need to relocate it reasonably soon, and that you can inject anesthetic like lidocaine to make it better, and then do it. But I'd have to get the lidocaine. It was a really busy shift. It takes some time, and the more it swells, the harder it is to relocate. So oh, okay. as an attending, trying to manage the room and everything, I looked at him and sized him up quickly. Big tough dude. You see where this is going. And I look at him and say, Hey, yeah. how are you with pain? And he, he oh got it. He like was right there with me. And he goes, Doc, do what you got to do. <laughs> and, and I just grab it and I just yank. And it goes, and, and he makes a, a loud gasping noise. It's one second. Yeah. It clicks uh -huh. and he's fine. Ugh. The med student, boom, passes out instantly. No, no. The deck. <laughs> Total vasovagal, hits the floor. And suddenly me and the construction guy are both in partners in medicine, like lifting this girl up. <laughs> We put her on the bed. We get her legs up. We're like, hey, you now know, she's you okay? The patient. Yeah. And she oh, was, no. poor, poor thing. She was so embarrassed. She's yeah. like, what happened? What happened? But, <laughs> but I didn't, I, and it was my bad. I didn't warn her. I didn't say, now, we're about to do something really quick here. Yeah. And and yeah. It, I think it just caught her so unawares. And, um, and you know, some people, when they see pain or or hear a painful yeah. thing, so she just she just dropped. Um, so I, I don't think I got great points for, oh, like, man. knocking oh, on a medical goodness. student. But, how yeah. common is that? I mean, like, I feel like that happens, right? What, you think passing you, out? Yeah, you, well, you would think that, like, if you're going into medicine, if you're a med student, that you're, like, okay with seeing some of that stuff. But that's not always the case. Like, there might be certain, you know, parts of the body that you just can't handle or certain whatever. Things. So, like, how... It, In the operating room is the classic example. Yeah. Or, like, right. like, labor and delivery. Yeah, right. It uh, happens there. In the eye clinic, it happens. Yeah, it seems well, like sure, you have to kind of build up a tolerance yeah. sometimes. Eye stuff. Yeah, how do you are you are you, how do you feel about eye stuff? Um, well, I mostly just yell about the broken slit lamp. You know, that's what I mostly do. <laughs> that's, um, right? You know, it's exactly. You know, then you sound like no you know one knows that about. it's not broken. But I say, oh, that's yeah. a thing, and that's who adjusted this oh. knob and that thing, and <laughs> you know, and and people are Is like, it, oh yeah, yeah. Do you get a little like whenever I'm sure there's probably nothing that shows up on the board or maybe there is something that shows up on the board that like kind of you like feel like oh man like this is gonna be kind of tough. Rough. Um, yeah. Uh, but many. do you feel that way about eye problems? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Most emergency <laughs> docs are, uh, I think I speak for many of us, yeah. eye problems are not our fave. And it's just because we're not, we don't see it enough. We're not, yep. you know, it's such a discomfort thing. Um, and, uh, and we're not great at the slit lamp. I'm not great at the slit lamp. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, we don't, we don't love it. And we also well, the thing know is that we yeah, we have low expectations of you too. Right, like, uh, and and that's, that's good. Fine. That's fine. Like, we it, it, we we get it. Like, nobody. You had what one lecture in med school, and then that's usually it. Yeah. All right, for I, I understand. Who are not you tend to like us to ultrasound it, right? You want us to ultrasound the oh, eyeball boy. and oh. do. Uh, 
Are we going there? Is that, is this, this is where, this just, where we're going? He just I'm threw a, down I'm a, a gauntlet. I'm a what can I say? No, 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 no. In certain situations, it's okay. But uh, uh, it's I I do know that uh, I, I found a big change once I went from uh, like an academic center residency program out to the community. Um, because you got this, you get the sense in residency that, that nobody outside of ophthalmology could do anything, not even look at the eye. And I think that's just because there's a residency program. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just, if you have access over. to residents, <laughs> ophthalmology residents who are eager and need to learn like eye problem, bring them in. Let's do it. Once I got into private practice, like I've actually been very impressed with my local emergency doctors. And I'm, I'm not just trying to endear them uh, to me who might be listening right now uh, to not bother me too much on call, but it's true. Um, I, I've been, I've been impressed. Like the, just the, I think the, what you gain on the job, you know, and, and figuring out what's a serious eye problem, what's not a serious eye problem, which I think is a big thing with emergency medicine, right? Like what's really oh, yeah. bad and what's not so bad. That's right. You know, I think you're, I think you're good at that. Well, and actually the, the I'm going to give you story, credit here. I'm going to give you some nice. eye credit. Right. Eye credit. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. Well, and, and my final story actually speaks to um, it, the eventual realization that something is serious when we thought we could not think of a serious. And I thought if it's okay, I'd close with a story on, on, on my storytelling because this one involves me personally and it's very embarrassing. And it oh, speaks, perfect. Yes. And it speaks to the fact that physicians are the worst doctors for themselves and their families. Oh, yeah. No yes. physician does a good job when they're diagnosing their kids, their loved ones, no, right? All we, he says is they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. They could be like gushing blood. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Uh, yeah. And, and and sometimes they are. Sometimes is it oozing or squirting? Is it oozing or squirting? Right? That's, that's, that's right. Anyway, that's, go that's ahead. It. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. So um, I'll set the stage. My, my wife of 21 years is pregnant with child, no, currently 21 years. Back a long time ago, she was pregnant with child number three. Uh, that child number three is now 15 years old. In fact, these are his Xbox headphones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was pregnant with number three, and we go every year from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. to celebrate Thanksgiving with her family, and the baby was due on Thanksgiving Day. The mm -hmm. OB-GYN said, you know what? You're, it's your third kid. They come fast. Do a Thanksgiving. Why don't you stick around? Why don't they come here? Why don't you chill out, do your own turkey, don't go to D.C.? My wife was like, no, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to DC. That, that's, that's not a thing. I'm like, honey, are you sure? She's like, shh, we're going to DC. That's actually, she didn't say, shh, she said something else, but uh, <laughs> inappropriate. So, so, so I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So we go to DC and wouldn't you know it, what in the morning, Friday morning after the turkey, I get the elbow and the ribs, get the, oh, wake up, wake up, wait, 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 I'm in labor. And, and we're in DC. And she's in labor. And so doctor mistake number one was not listening to her OB guy and just going to DC when, when third babies come fast. Mistake number two. I think it's worth pointing out. Isn't your wife also in oh, medicine? Thank you. I forgot to, I neglected to so mention. Thank you for that. She's, she's not really. She's a, she's a doctor as well. She's a cancer doctor, an oncologist. Uh, uh, so, so mistake number one was we didn't follow our OB guy's mm -hmm. wise advice. Mistake number two is about to happen. Mistake number two is we say, let's get in the car and drive to Philly. <laughs> At one in the for morning, baby number on, three, on 95 for baby number three, because that's smart. Um, and the distance oh, between Philly and DC, two and a half hour drive. Two and a half hours, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's yeah. not just down the road. All right. No, no. And and she's ten minutes from Holy Cross Hospital in DC, a perfectly fine hospital that probably has perfectly fine labor and delivery floor. Ten minutes, two and a half hours. Right. So we get in the uh -huh. car, we start 
just just hiking it up 95 at high speed trying to get there we're timing contractions on the car clock you know like we know what we're doing um and it turns out when we get to baltimore the contractions are really speeding up and she's having a lot more pain and that's the moment when you say like you know when it's serious where we woke up we we're like you know what this is totally stupid we're not ob doctors we actually have no i mean i've delivered babies occasionally but but we really uh-huh. don't know what we're doing it's dark we're in a car we're in the like what are we doing like this is just yeah. ridiculous so so I remembered Hopkins well enough to know that Hopkins Bayview, ironically, where I did emergency medicine, was right off the highway. I'm like, we're going to Hopkins Bayview. We pull off, we pull in, we go to the ER, and and we say, we're having a baby. Um, the intern delivered us. Uh, the attending was the attending walks in after is like, hey, congrats, nice baby. You know, I'm sure they <laughs> nice billed for. Baby. They probably they said like, present for all stages yeah. of At, the procedure. You know, attestation. Yeah, yeah the, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> pertinent. Totally parts of the procedure. So, 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 and, and by the way, once they found out I was an emergency doctor, I was teased mercilessly. Like <laughs> they're like, Oh, doc, nice, nice. Cause you know, people come in like this all the time to year. So here I was mm-hmm. the thing that we tease. I was that guy. You know? yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah. so the, the teasing was endless. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so our third child was randomly born in Baltimore, even though we've never How lived quickly, there. Before you 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 drove into the hospital and the baby was born, how Ooh, how good question. not long, how fast like, was that? Like like an hour, like not. Oh my long. god, you just not you long. just made it. Yeah, so you probably long. would not That's... have made it to oh, Philly. We yes, especially with all the bumping in the road and all the nonsense. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it would have worked out. Um, what kind of car were had... you in? Yeah. <laughs> a Honda Odyssey and the upholstery. I mean, okay. oh my goodness, it would have been a it would have been such a mess. <laughs> yes. Would have been quite a job for the detailer. Uh, yes, the, the just try clerk. explaining that to the detailer. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I bet they've seen that a bunch. Bet, <laughs> I, a bunch? I, I don't know. <laughs> I like maybe this is their specialty. Do you have a? If you, did <laughs> yes. you have a baby in your car? Come to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i detect muconium sir <laughs> yeah yeah it's um it, it was wow yeah so so this this is a big hit as you can imagine at like yeah, dinner yeah. parties and stuff because oh, we'll have sure. people over and they'll say oh asher you know he's like yeah i was born in baltimore and they'll say oh when did you guys live in baltimore we'd say oh we didn't and they'll be like wait wait what and and then you know that provokes the story yeah. it it always brings the house down people love that story I love it. I love it. It's, it's great coming from an emergency doctor. I'm too. also it's amazed, perfect. like knowing you were going against medical advice to go to DC in uh-huh. the first place, that you didn't just like have a plan yes. of, okay, yes. so if she goes into when no, there wasn't she a goes lot into of labor, prefrontal cortex activity go. going no, on. This is all, no. this was all brainstem. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> just must get turkey. Must get... Right, right. Yeah, this was this was exactly. not a very cerebral uh, uh, kind of thing. So, so, so the point being that that doctors are can be really dumb about healthcare. Yeah. Um, but we did have that instinct kick in eventually that said, mm-hmm. "Oh, this has suddenly uh-huh. gotten serious, and we need help." You know, and and we got help. Well, we could certainly all be better at taking care of ourselves yes. and yes. and each other. Yes. All of us that are attached to you can attest. Yes. Although awesome. I mean I mean Kristen, my goodness, the you know CPR delivery queen over here. I uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, see that's the kind Seriously. of stuff you put us through. I got to do that. I'm not even trained. Gotcha. I mean, I, I, I've thought to myself, well, if it was the other way around, would I have done as good of a job? I mean, oh, decidedly I am a, not. Well, I, am I a think doctor, that's just a general. But I am an 
ophthalmologist. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a, hopefully we'll never have to find out. Hopefully not. All right. Hopefully well, not. let's, let's take a quick break and okay. uh, we're going to be back with Benabella and we're going to play a game, Ben. I'm excited about this. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. A big, big thank you to all of our listeners. This is a new show. Spread the love. Please share with all your friends and coworkers and anybody you know in life. Leave a rating and review. Be honest with us. Tell us what you think. We want to keep this, keep the good stuff going, improve the stuff that's not so good. Let us know. Later today, we're going to be go, uh, sharing some of your own medical stories. You can share yours, knock, knock, hi, at human-content.com. We also have a Patreon. Uh, come hang out with us. You know, other members of the Knock Knock High community, early episode access, bonus episodes. We're doing a, a, a monthly show called the, well, the Monthly Eye Exam, where we uh, react to medical shows and movies, clips and things. It's, it's great. It's great. You love it. Come join us. And uh, um, next week, there's going to be a new Monthly Eye Exam. Hey. Hey, we're doing it. All right. Sign up for Patreon. Check it out. Now, let's get back to Dr. Benabella. All right, we are back with Ben Abella. And uh, Ben, I'm excited. We're going to play a game uh, here called Battle of the Specialties. Okay. Okay. So here's the way it's going to work uh, Kristen is going to be like the mock med student. All right. So she's, a, again, not in medicine, but she's going to pretend like she's interested in medicine here. Uh, and, I've been doing it for 12 years. And uh, you, as the emergency doctor, will be trying to convince Kristen that she should not choose emergency medicine. She should choose ophthalmology. Okay. 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 And I, as the ophthalmologist, am going to convince her that no, 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 no. Ophthalmology, no way. Dumb. Don't do that. You got to go into emergency medicine. So we're going we're gonna to argue for each other's specialties. And then Kristen's going to decide who came up with the best argument. Okay. Okay. Uh, so do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Give us a, give us something and then we'll just go kind of go back and forth here. All right. So, you know, Kristen, you, you, you can't even imagine how gross emergency medicine is. I mean, so for example, see this finger, this finger has been up thousands of rectums, thousands of them. And these are just like, you know, and this is the same finger I have to like eat peanut, eat peanut butter with. I mean, it's just, it's just, you don't oh want that. God. It's just, it's just foul. You, you, there's no way you want that in your life. You just don't. So the eyes are clean. They're above the neck. You know, you're not getting your hands in the goop and all the body fluids and the, you know, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I had a, a college student urinate all over me, a drunk college student urinate on me from head to toe in my first year as an attending. You don't want to be peed on. Eyes do not pee. They do not urinate. Okay. And, and there's the quote for this episode. <laughs> I do not pee. Um, compelling points, uh, Ben. A, a counterpoint, all right? Imagine, though, Kristen, you're going to med school, all right? You're, you, you learn everything, head to toe, so much about the human body. Why on earth would you want to take all that wonderful knowledge and then just forget all of it and just focus on the eyeball? The eye, it's, it's two and a half, two and a half centimeters. Like, that's... What, what's like, wouldn't you want to do something like emergency medicine where you have, that you can use everything you've learned head to like all the parts of the body. I'm not going to name them because I don't know a lot of them, but uh, it's, um, it's, uh, uh, you get to, to really uh, just apply everything that you've learned the last four years versus um, 
the eye. I mean, it can only do so many things. You but know, there's it's, a lot it's, of very expensive just, information kind of, to forget. It's kind of a it's kind of boring. Like, come on. You're gonna get you're gonna get sick of eye stuff. That's all I'm saying. Emergency medicine, uh, come on, new thing every day, all the time. Uh it's it's it keeps things interesting. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, Kristen, it, Will's got some important points there. But but I would say that um in emergency medicine, there's something we are really lacking. And I, I can say the whole argument in two words. No, Jonathan. So, so and we have point. no scribes. We have no Jonathan. And and if I've learned one thing from your husband, it's that having a Jonathan, having a scribe who can feed you grapes, who can take care of you, who can soothe your soul, I, you know, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I dream. I go to bed at night and say, ah. Oh, my a Jonathan, I just want a Jonathan, and, and I'll never get one because when we ask the hospital administration for a Jonathan, they say, "Yeah, that's yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put that on the committee for discussion, and we'll <laughs> yes. get back to you." And yeah, no Jonathan. Okay, all right. Well, that that's a good point. Uh, but <laughs> Ben, you know, you heard Ben talk about how gross emergency medicine is. All right, I want to come back to this gross. because I think you're really underestimating how disgusting ophthalmology can be. Have you ever seen bacterial conjunctivitis? Oh, dear. All right. Yeah. No, the eye cannot pee, but it can produce copious amounts of mucopurulent fluid. Okay. Uh, as, I mean, gonorrhea is bad wherever it is, but when um, is especially, especially when it, when it finds its way uh, mayday, mayday. onto the eyeball. Uh, and, and uh, you know, what are you going to uh, do when a patient comes in and says they think uh, they were traveling, uh, they went to uh, South America, and they think they might have a parasite in their eye? What are you going to do about that? I'm hmm? going to run. Exactly. You run away. You <laughs> run away. Story. Okay? I had a loved one with that that thing that gets under the contact lens and eats the eye out. The amoeba oh. thing. Acanthamoeba. Yes. And he had to get yeah. all the specialty stuff. Nearly nearly lost oh, his yeah. eyesight, actually. It was terrifying. He's fine now, mm-hmm. but it was not good. You're making good. my point for me, Ben. <laughs> You're not doing a great job. Uh, okay. So, so the, what the else other, you got? Yeah. So the other thing, Kristen, that is um, important to think about is just lifestyle considerations. So mm-hmm. ER, you work holidays, you work Christmas, you work Thanksgiving, and there's only so much Diet Coke that a person can consume to get one through these moments in life, you know? And, and, and I would say about 90% of my body water comes from Diet Coke, and this is not <laughs> a healthy way to live. You know, it's just not, it's not, it's not great. It's a, uh, uh, so, so an ophthalmologist, they drink Fiji water, artisanal stuff. Waters that Jonathan brings on a. I'm sure there's a silver platter involved somewhere, and and you know there's a white. We'll talk about our silver platters, please. Oh, that was a secret. Sorry, and, and the little white napkin, and I'm sure there's little spritz of lime in the artisanal water, and I'm just corking down two liter bottles of Diet Coke, getting all hopped up on caffeine. Like it's just not a healthy, a healthy way to live. But but if you have to get through at two in the morning, it's 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 French fries with hot sauce and Diet Coke all the way. You can only imagine how much Prilosec I have to take. Okay. All right. All right. And I I get the last word here since you started. Um, So excitement, all right? Excitement and patient satisfaction. That's that's what I want to focus on, patient satisfaction. Because in in emergency medicine, people are coming to you on the worst day of their life, all right? They're like terrible. They think they're going to die sometimes. They they, like think something terrible is happening. Sometimes terrible things are happening and you save lives. You know how often you save lives in ophthalmology? How often? Uh, you don't. You know, it doesn't happen. All right. Occasionally you can save eyes, but 99% of the time you're treating dry eye. There's a lot of dry eye. All right. And that's not very exciting. 
but in, in emergency medicine, it's it's there's a lot more excitement. Now, yeah, some of it's gross. All right, we we acknowledge that, but it's also very exciting and very rewarding because you're saving lives. All right, you don't want an ophthalmologist saving your life. And isn't that why we go into medicine? I mean, it's not why I went into medicine because I I never at one any point wanted to save lives in ophthalmology, but uh, a lot of people do. And uh, it's a very rewarding thing. And so that's why uh, you should absolutely do emergency medicine because we need uh, hardworking, beautiful, kind, mm-hmm. amazing, mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. emergency medicine You're talking doctors. about Ben, right? I, I'm talking about oh, Ben. Well, yes. You said yes. dry eyes. There's not a dry <laughs> eye over here right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, and so I, 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 we've both made very compelling arguments. Uh, what specialty do you want to go into? Oh, boy. Um, you, yes, you both did make some very compelling arguments, mm-hmm. very convincing. Yes, of course. Um, uh, I think you have to choose. ultimately eyeballs are just disgusting. And I like to think that I have oh. honorary ER status. Ah, so you're going to, I think I'll choose and... ER. Yeah. So okay. sorry, well, Ben, I think that yeah, means you lose the game, but it's really win-win. That's, that's right. It's just like, it's like I won in my loss, you know? Yeah. You, you uh, lost the game, but win at life. I won the war. Yes. Right. And, and in fact, right. you'd be an amazing ear doc. And I think anyone who does CPR for like, what, 10 minutes straight yeah. on a mm-hmm. larger individual and saves mm-hmm. a life, um, earns the honorary title of Bafford. Have you ever heard the term Bafford? Yes, I have, but tell everybody what it means. Well, am I allowed to say not, am I allowed you to can, say yeah, bad yeah. words? You can tell so, us. So we're fully vetted for bad language. It'll get beeped out or well, something. We can bleep it, we out, can if bleep it out if we want okay. to. That's fine. So there's 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 a, a phrase that circulates around Facebook and other things called a Bafford. Badass fing ER doc. And it, it, it's this notion of just a person who's <laughs> like a little calloused, but in the trenches, working hard, just taking names, saving lives, you know, not breaking a sweat. And so the term Bafford becomes a bit of a, you know, um, mm-hmm. ideal to shoot for. And I'm kind of thinking doing CPR like you did and saving a life is is kind of Bafford status. I'm kind of thinking that. There you go. Well, I will take it, but I do have to say, mostly it was just, there's no freaking way that you're leaving me here with the mortgage and two children. Get back here right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's a no fair reason to want to save you, me. you, young man. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, whatever I'll, whatever reason you need to justify it, I'll take it. So, uh, well, Ben, this was a pleasure. Uh, before we go, uh, you know, tell us, do uh, you have any, I guess, parting words for our audience or things you're working on or or kind of a message you want to leave us with? Well, sure. Uh, you know, it. Um, uh, my work has to do a lot with cardiac arrest, and it's very relevant for some of our conversation today. And you know, we're we're seeing um, uh, cases in in the media, in in the press, of people. Christian Eriksen, a soccer player, had cardiac arrest and made a survival. Um, sadly, a, a NBA G League player did not survive. Uh, so it's it's out there as a thing, and um, it's it's really I think important that everybody learns CPR, that everybody understand what an AED, automatic external defibrillator, is. And I've spent a lot of my time and energy pushing these concepts um, because they're they're really life saving and everyone can achieve Bafford status if they know how to do CPR <laughs> and they uh, they know how to use an AED because cardiac arrest you don't know when it's going to happen and it's absolutely life or death so that's like a little a little PSA yeah. that I should close with oh aim into that everyone we should have defibrillators everywhere uh, in public places mm-hmm. and um, yeah there's no excuse really everyone if you can phys- if you're physically able to do CPR learn CPR. Uh, absolutely. So Ben, thank you for all the uh, amazing work that you're doing as a cardiac arrest survival, cyber survivor 
I appreciate it. And I know Kristen does too. And, um, and so thank you for your time. So we will, yeah, we'll be back, uh, uh, with some of your, uh, listener stories here in a minute. So thank you, Ben. Thank you. All right. Let's take a look at some of our favorite medical stories that were sent in by all of you, the listeners. So our first story comes from Jacob S. As a volunteer companion, I was responsible for keeping the patient company for the day. The patient saw this as an opportunity for me to scratch his back for three hours. (laughs) The nurse eventually got him a Benadryl, which was a lifesaver. I'm in my second year of med school, so I guess it all paid off. I just want to commend Jacob. Well done. Like, that's that's great. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, Somebody's itchy. You got to scratch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, that's uh, it, it just shows, uh, you know, dedication to patient care in whatever way you can provide it. Right. Uh, and so uh, thank you for being there as the back scratcher. Jacob, there could have been worse things to have had to scratch. True. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I'm sure that, you know, you know how, how, how one, it's hard to scratch your own back. It is. You, you can't reach you back can't there. You can't do it. You can't, you can't it. do it. Okay. Um, and fan story number two here. Uh, let's have, let's see, Raquel T. It happened when I was a first year resident during a night shift in the ER. I suddenly got a call from a phone pager saying, hi, I am the neurologist. I need to speak with Dr. Maria. And so I told Maria, hey, neurology wants to speak with you. As Maria is approaching the phone, I can hear the doctor say, not the neurologist, the urologist. And to that, I responded, sorry, Maria, the doctor of the other brain wants to speak with you. (laughs) (laughs) Eternal laughing was heard among the staff and the urologist from the phone. (laughs) Fast forward one year later, and apparently I am known in that department for this story. It could be a chance for uh, us nephrology or neurology and urology to get along for the first time in history, all because of a misheard uh, misunderstanding. I love that. Uh, that's a common uh, um, thing that people get confused about because neuro- they sound very similar, Especially right? Especially over the phone when you can't see the... That's the first time I really put two and two together and realized they, there's a brain on both of them. That's, yeah, right. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. And also, urologists... Uh, have I think the best sense of humor in medicine. As someone well, who has to, yeah. has interacted with almost everybody in all different specialties, it's n- noticeable the the sense of humor from urologists. And you're right. I mean, they they kind of have to like this, yeah. You're self selecting. There's yeah. There's there's uh, lots of very of sensitive, interesting things that happen with uh, with penises, and so uh, you know. And you just gotta you gotta be okay with looking at a lot of penises, as I mentioned in one of my in my urology video, an aggressive number of penises. Aggressive. And so I appreciate the urologist sense of humor. Uh, thank you for those two stories. You can send us your stories, knock knock high at human contentcom We'd love to hear from you. Um, that was a fun episode with that was fun, Doctor Abella. He's, uh, he's a crazy story. We're a big fan of of Ben and, and the work that he does with cardiac arrest and something that we've both been active in, especially you. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we appreciate that. And I just want to reiterate, you know, the the whole learning CPR. Uh, definitely, we all we all know somebody who who 
doesn't know CPR. And so if you know it and we have family members you think might not know CPR, then just talk to them about it. Tell them, hey. And you know, the good news is it's not very complicated. It, yeah. They, they kind of make it seem complicated because you got to go, you always hear about certification. It's yeah. a whole process, takes several weeks. No, I mean, sure, that's great. And do that if you can. But if, if you can't, the important thing is just, you know, Probably it's a very worst, simple mechanism that anybody worst, can do. The worst way to have to learn is doing it on your own husband in real time. Yeah, that was um, not fun. That was that was probably a little rough. So it, we recommend not learning it that in way in real time. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, yeah, and it's it's a it's a quick certification. Actually, they just recertified recently. Nice. So yeah, and they actually do have to teach us ophthalmologists about it, um, and because we forget, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, all right. So if you know any doctors that you'd like us to, or medical professionals, anybody, people on the internet, I don't know, someone in healthcare you want us to talk to on this podcast, hey, let us know. We're always open to ideas. There's lots of ways to reach out to us. You can email us, knockknockhigh at human-content.com. We're on TikTok, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and um, uh, find it on else? our website yeah our website blockandflecken.com uh, you can also hang out with us and our human content podcast family on Instagram and TikTok at human content pods I want to thank all the listeners for uh, leaving wonderful feedback and reviews for us the reviews help we want to we want to hear those reviews see those reviews if you are you saying that you don't want to thank the ones that did not leave wonderful reviews uh, well, you at least listened and you gave it a, a good effort and that's that's that counts that's that's good maybe if you don't like it that's fine you know not everybody likes everything but uh um, it is hard to like you sometimes yeah i accept that that's okay um uh, we'll allow that one uh you know this is part of what you do you know as, i keep you humble that, that, that's for sure. Um, all right. Now, I don't know where I was. Where are we? Oh, oh, oh what was I talking about? Oh, th- thank you. I was thanking people. Mm-hmm. I was thanking people. Um, and uh, um, you can comment on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube. All right. And we might give you a shout out. Uh, so if we see your content uh, or some content, I'll see your content. But if we see your comment, uh, we can uh, shout you out on the podcast. Like right now, Rachel G on YouTube said, first podcast I'm excited about ever. And everyone has a podcast. That's true. I was a little concerned about that, actually. I was like, I'm doing the thing that Everybody everybody's does. already kind done. kind of cliche. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hey, everybody does it for a reason, I suppose. Um, YouTube will have uh, full video episodes up every week. My YouTube channel is at dglockenflecken. Uh, we have a Patreon as well. Lots of cool perks, bonus episodes where we react to medical shows and movies. Uh, uh, hang out with the Knock Knock High member community. We're there. We're responding. We're talking. Uh, come hang out with us. Early ad-free episode access as a Patreon and um, uh, interactive Q&A live stream events and lots more. We'll see what we come up with. Patreon.com slash Glockenflecken or go to our website Glockenflecken.com Thank you for listening. We are your hosts, Will and Kristen Flannery also known as the Glockenfleckens. Special thanks to our guests today, Dr. Benjamin Abella. Our executive producers are Will and Kristen Flannery, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, and Shanti Brooke. Our editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omer Benzvi. To learn about our Knock Knock Highs program disclaimer and ethics policy, submission verification and licensing terms, and HIPAA release terms, you can go to our website, glockenfleckens.com, or reach out to us at where? Knock Knock High at human-content.com with any questions, concerns, or 
fun jokes. I'm sure you probably or have bad some jokes. jokes. Bad, you can bad jokes too. Doesn't have to be good jokes. Bad jokes. I've got plenty of those as well. Knock Knock High is a human content production. Knock Knock, 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 knock Goodbye. Knock.